Chapter 13 Which shall we believe, God or man? For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. What I say now will save some of you, eternally and gloriously save you. But alas, it will also lead to the eternal doom and destruction of some of you. It will save some of you because you will listen to the truth, and as a result of your listening attentively and honestly, you will take the steps today that will lead to your salvation right here and now. But what I say will also lead to the eternal doom and destruction of some of you, because you will not listen to the truth, but will harden your hearts against it and reject it. Thus, this very sermon that might have saved you, if you had taken it to heart, will imperil you in the day of judgment. Truth observed saves. Truth rejected damns. Our Lord Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 48, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And the truth I bring has in it a peculiar saving power, if you will only take it to heart and believe it and obey it. It also has in it peculiar power to bring condemnation and doom and destruction to those who refuse to listen and thereby reject it. My subject is, Which shall we believe, God or man? You will find my text in Romans chapter 3, verses 3-4. through 4. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. God's Word Better Than Man's We live in a day when men are disposed to put great faith in what men say, especially what learned men say, but very little faith or no faith at all in what God says. Let some great man of science announce a discovery, and no matter how astonishing or even incredible that discovery may seem to be, no matter how much there is about it that we cannot understand, we believe it at once. But let a man find something in the Word of God that is contrary to his preconceived notions, outside his own experience that he cannot understand, or something that for one reason or another appears incredible at first glance, he discards it at once. Tell men what great men say, and they accept it at once. Tell men what the Bible says, and they look wise and shrug their shoulders and say, Yes, but I don't think so. This is what I think. And yet, tell them what some great scientist or some leading literary critic or some brilliant but erratic preacher says, and they think that settles it, and it must be so. What utter foolishness! The opinion of the greatest scientist that ever lived, the greatest philosopher, the most learned Hebrew or Greek scholar, or the most brilliant pulpit orator, is of no value whatever against the word of the infinitely wise and eternally truthful God, and against the word of the God that cannot lie and is never mistaken. The opinion of all the wise men on earth is of no weight whatever against the word of God. One short sentence from God's sure word is worth whole volumes of man's vain speculations. Let God be found true, but every man a liar. The man who believes any man before he believes God is a fool. 
The man who believes any company of men before he believes God is a fool. The man who believes God before he believes the whole world is a truly wise man. The Bible is the Word of God. That can be proven by many unanswerable proofs. I have proven it time and again from this platform. For 18 centuries and more, the opinions of scientists and philosophers have come and gone, regarded as the final and absolute wisdom today, but as sheerest folly tomorrow. But the teachings of this book have stood fast amid the wreckage of centuries of man's thinking. The experience of 18 centuries proves that the man who relies on the Bible is wise. The man who throws the Bible overboard at any point and turns to any other source of light and leading always misses it. He always has missed it for 18 centuries. He always will miss it for all the centuries to come. The truly wise man is the man who always believes this book before any man, scientist, philosopher, literary scholar, council of theologians, or congress of philosophers and intellectuals. If the Bible says one thing, and any man on earth says another, every truly wise man will say, Let God be true, but every man a liar. Points of Difference Between God and Great Men Let me call your attention to some points on which many great men and God differ. Existence of a Personal Devil In the first place, Many great and scholarly men differ from God regarding the existence of a personal devil. A very large number of men in our day, including some great thinkers and even some theologians of high repute, laugh at the very idea of there being any such person as the devil. Many men have said, there is no devil, but sin. And Mrs. Mary Baker Eddy, who has a great following, including many people of intelligence and culture, ridicules the idea of a personal devil. Now that is what many men say. Very many men say it. Many men whom you and I would be apt to listen to on many subjects say there is no personal devil. What does God say? Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 through 12 and you will see for yourselves exactly what God says. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Four verses further God says, Withal taking up the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 16. Not of evil, mind you, but of the evil one. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and you will see again what God says. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There can be no doubt about the meaning of these words by anyone who reads them with the purpose of finding out what they were intended to teach, and not merely with the purpose of distorting and twisting them to fit his own preconceived notions. So we see that God says in the most unmistakable terms that there is a personal devil. Furthermore, God says that the devil is a being of such great cunning and great power that he is more than a match for you or me and that he is plotting our destruction, all the time working to accomplish it. Is God right about this? 
Or is Mrs. Eddy and the others who deny the existence of a personal devil right? God is right about it. God is always right. Any man or woman who differs from God is always wrong. When you believe that there is no devil, but only your own sins, you are a sorely deceived individual. The very devil you do not think exists has deceived you, and he has done it in order to destroy you. An enemy in ambush is a particularly dangerous enemy, and a devil who has persuaded people that he does not exist at all is a particularly dangerous devil. No class of people falls so easy a prey to the devil's subtlety as the people who do not believe that there is any devil. Show me a man or woman who does not believe that there is any devil, and I will show you every time a man or woman whom the devil has blinded. He is deluding them in his work. Future Judgment In the second place, many men differ from God regarding a future judgment. Many men do not believe that there is to be a future judgment. Tell many men today that a time is coming when they will stand before the judgment seat of God with His holy and all-seeing eye piercing them through and through, and that they will answer to Him for all their deeds done in the body and all their words spoken in this present life, and they will laugh at you in contempt. But what does God say? Turn to Acts chapter 17 verses 30 through 31 and read what He said through Paul to a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers gathered on the historic Areopagus. Now God commandeth men that they should all everywhere repent, inasmuch as He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He hath ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto all men, in that He hath raised Him from the dead. Turn to Romans chapter 14 verse 12 and read what God says about it. So then each one of us shall give account of himself to God. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and read what God says. We must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Turn to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, and read what God says. I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Can anything be plainer than God's word on this point? Is God right, or are these learned gentlemen who differ from God right? God is right, and these men who differ from God are wrong. God is always right, and men are always wrong when they differ from God. There is one thing concerning the future that is certain. It is certain that there will be a judgment day. It is not certain that you or I will live another day. I saw a neighbor of mine walking down the street the day before yesterday. This morning, just before I came here, another neighbor came in and told me this neighbor died at ten minutes before ten last night. It is not certain that there will be another election or another Christmas. It is not certain that there will be times of peace ahead of us or times of great conflict. It is not certain what the outcome will be of the great peace conference being held in Washington upon which the attention of most of the civilized world is focused. But it is certain that there will be a judgment day. It is sure that you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give account of the deeds done in the body and the words spoken in this life. It is absolutely sure that each one of us 
shall give account of himself to God. Differences about hell In the third place, many men, including men who are accorded wise by the world, differ from God regarding hell. There are many today who do not believe that there will be any hell at all in the world to come. Many able and scholarly men say, There is no hell except the hell a man makes for himself in this life, the hell of his own tormenting conscience, and the hell of troubles arising from his own misdoings. An intelligent woman said to me a while ago, Why, Mr. Tor, you don't believe in hell, do you? It is not a question of what I believe, but of what God says. What does God say? Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 29 through 30. And if thy right eye causeth thee to stumble, pluck it out, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body be cast into hell. If thy right hand causeth thee to stumble, cut it off, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body go into hell. Then turn to Luke chapter 12 verses 4 through 5 and read what God says. Be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Turn to the last book in the Bible, and in Revelation chapter 21, read what God says. But for the fearful, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and fornicators, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part shall be in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Then there are many who believe that there is to be a future hell, but they do not believe it will be everlasting. Many say to me, You don't believe in everlasting punishment, do you? Again, I say it is not a question of what I believe or what you believe, but of what God says. Read Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into the eternal fire which is prepared for the devil and his angels. Compare that with Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, where we are told definitely about the fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels and about its duration. This is what we read. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where are also the beast and the false prophet. In the next to the closing verse of the preceding chapter compared with the preceding verse of this chapter, we are told that the beast and the false prophet had already been there a thousand years, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation chapter 14 verses 9 through 11 says, If any man worshipeth the beast and his image, and receiveth a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he also shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is prepared unmixed in the cup of his anger. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goeth up for ever and ever, and they have no rest day and night, they that worship the beast and his image, and whoso receiveth the mark of his name." Turn once more to Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, where we are told plainly what will come to pass at the judgment of the great white throne at the end of the millennium.
and if any was not found written in the book of life, he was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? If it is not, you should speed up and get it written there today, or you will spend an endless eternity in hell. I do not state that as my own opinion. I declare it as God's word plainly set forth in his book. Future Probation In the fourth place, not a few wise men as the world counts wisdom, and not a few prominent theologians differ from God about a future probation. There are many men, often men whom the world considers very wise, who say with great confidence that if men do not repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ now in this life, they will get another chance to repent and turn to Christ after they have died. I used to believe that myself. But what does God say? Turn to John chapter 8, verse 21, and read for yourself what God says through the lips of His Son, who spoke the very words of God. I go away, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sin. Whither I go ye cannot come. Here the Lord Jesus was speaking for God. He declared in the plainest kind of language that if men die in their sin, they cannot go where He goes. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, and read what God says. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. In these words, God plainly declares that what comes after death is not another probation, but the judgment. If you still have any doubt as to what God says on this point, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Here we are distinctly told that the basis of the judgment will be the things done in the body, the things done before we leave this present life, the things done while we are still in these physical body, the things done this side of the grave. And here again, God is right. God is always right. And any man who differs from God is always wrong. The Way of Salvation in the fifth place, many men, including some of the brightest thinkers and most brilliant writers, differ from God regarding the way of salvation. Many men say that if a man lives a good moral life, he will be saved. They claim that he may be a Jew, or a Muslim, or a Buddhist, or a Christian. As long as he is sincere, he will be saved just the same. They believe no man will be lost simply because he did not believe on Jesus Christ and confess him before the world. When I lived in Chicago, a preacher who had a very wide reputation for his ability and claimed to be a Christian said not long after the death of Colonel Ingersoll, heaven or any good country will welcome a man like Colonel Ingersoll. And the infidels applauded when he said it and exclaimed, what a broad-minded preacher. I suppose that this professing Christian preacher was highly pleased to get the applause of the avowed enemies of Jesus Christ. But what does God say? Turn to the words of the Lord Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 18. 
He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Then read John chapter 3 verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Turn to Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Turn to the words of the Lord Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 10 verses 32 through 33. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. There is no mistaking the meaning of these words by any man who desires to know what God's word really does say. Entering the Kingdom of God In the sixth place, Many thoughtful men, including not a few professors in Methodist and other professedly Christian colleges and universities and theological seminaries, differ from God regarding the conditions of entering into the kingdom of God. Many men say that the way to get into the kingdom of God is by leading the upright life, treating your wife and children well, being honest in business, being kind to the poor, practicing the social gospel, and on and on. Others say that the way to enter the kingdom of God is by being baptized, uniting with the church, partaking of communion, reading the Bible, saying your prayers, going to confession, and doing other religious works. Others say that the way to enter the kingdom of God is by having a good ancestry, being carefully reared and well-educated in Christian schools and colleges. But what does God say? Turn to John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, and you will see exactly what God says. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then read Titus chapter 3 verse 5, Not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, but according to his mercy he saved us, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. God says that the only way to enter the kingdom and be saved is by being born again, becoming a new creation through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The Time to Repent and Accept Christ In the seventh place, many men differ from God regarding the best time to repent and accept Christ. Many of you differ from God concerning this. Many men say that there will be some day a better time than today to repent of your sins, turn to Jesus Christ and confess Christ before the world. Many of you say it, or think it if you do not actually say it, or act it if you do not distinctly think it. But what does God say? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 tells us that the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice. Read Proverbs chapter 27 verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 1 says, 
He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Felix, the great Roman governor of old, thought there would be a more convenient season and waited for it, but he never found it. That is why he will spend eternity in hell. These are some of the things that men say and some of the things that God says. Which will you believe? I say with Paul, let God be true, but every man a liar. But perhaps someone here will say, but I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. My friend, did it ever occur to you that doubting a fact does not alter the fact? Did it ever occur to you that your not believing the Bible to be the word of God does not alter in the least the fully proven fact that the Bible is the word of God? At the time of the Boxer Rebellion in China, some of the Boxers did not believe they could be killed by bullets. They thought their incantations and strange rites made them invulnerable. These men were very honest and entirely sincere about this belief. A Chinese army officer demanded that they prove their sincerity by standing in line so he might have his soldiers shoot at them. They immediately consented. They were very sincere. They lined up and fearlessly faced the firing squad. The Chinese soldiers blazed away, and the boxers dropped dead. Their doubt of the power of bullets to kill them did not alter the fact. Your doubt that the Bible is God's word does not alter the fact, not one iota. Suppose for a moment that the Bible turns out to be the word of God. You must admit that there is at least a possibility that the Bible may be the word of God. You must admit that the men and women who are really living nearest to God and know God best believe the Bible is the word of God. Suppose they prove to be right. Where then will you be? Damned. And that is just exactly what you will be if you go on doubting God's word and rejecting God's Son, listening to the voice of men rather than to the voice of God. God says that there is a devil and that you need Christ's help against his cunning and power. God says that there is a future judgment and that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the body. God says that there is a hell and that it is a place of torment where all who reject Christ in this life will spend eternity. God says that there is no future probation, that the issues of eternity are settled in this life. God says that there is only one way to be saved, by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, surrendering ourselves to Him as our Lord, and confessing Him as such before the world. God says that the only way to enter the kingdom of God is by being born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. God says that the best time to accept Christ and to be saved is right now. Scripture Behold, now is the acceptable time. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 The Holy Spirit saith today. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1 He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1 Who will turn from sin and unbelief and turn to Christ right now?